For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to Dirt Talk. I'm your host, Aaron Witt, trying to make the dirt world a better place with BuildWit and our company and all that. Today, very excited. It's only taken me, uh, I don't know, like three months to get this guy on. It's uh, Let's Dig 18, and he is pretty much the most famous person in the excavating world, I think. He has, uh, I don't even know how many people follow him on YouTube, but that's uh, that's his claim to fame is his YouTube videos. He's an excavator in North Carolina, does you know kind of smaller scale ponds and clearing and all kinds of fun stuff. So, hey, how you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. How about you? What can I say? I'm a busy individual. I can't lie. Yeah, you, well, we were just joking <laughs> about you working seven days a week. I don't think you ever not work. I mean, what's the day for if you're not working? <laughs> all right, well... I don't, how much have you shared about like how you got into all this and all that on YouTube? Is it just day to day or have you talked about your past and how you got into this or what? I've talked a little bit about it, but it's, it's a story time to say the least. Nice. <laughs> all right, good. Well, we could talk all night on that. Well, maybe, maybe we'll get some new stuff out of you for people to listen to, but how, I guess that's the first question. That's kind of the place I start. How'd you get into the excavating world to begin with? So I was pretty much born into it. I'll be the third generation when, whenever the day is the day that I take over. Right now, my uncle is the owner of the company, and I work for him. And then I also do, as most people know, my own little thing on the side there as well. But the company started probably about, I'd say, 35 years ago. My grandfather started it, and uh, he started it the company with three cranes. Two of them were drag lines and one mobile. He would do a lot of demolition work and drag line work, building ponds, and one big project he worked for like two years doing busting rocks for the airport here. But then he got older and the cranes got raggedier and he just got tired of working on them all the time. So he pretty much parked them and cut them up for scrap. He's like, he don't want nobody else to have the headache of these things. And he bought his first hydraulic excavator. And I remember I was probably four or five going to work with him. That was back when the machines were the old school cab. So he had pretty much like enough room for somebody to sit behind the seat. And I'd go to work with him and hang out with him on Saturdays at work and, and pretty much just go hang out with him every weekend. And just, you know, it was cool when you're six or seven years old just to go do that all day long. 
And uh, he would let me, you know, at the end of the day, he let me play around a little bit. And over the years, I got a little bit better and a little bit better. And, you know, probably 10 or 11 years old, I was good enough where I could kind of fiddle around and do a little bit of stuff. He'd sit over there in the truck and watch me. But um, it seems like from there to about 14, the blur. But I remember at 14, I was full time. So evidently, I got I learned enough between then and, and 14 <laughs> to be able to have a full time job over the summer. So has, has that been the only company you've ever worked for? It is. No kidding. No kidding. Jeez. The only only job I've ever had. Man, well, except for working for yourself, too. Now you're your own boss on the side. Yeah, my own boss. Yeah. I'm kind of my own boss every day, though. <laughs> you really are. Yeah. <laughs> so, But that's the unique thing is, so you're working for the company, but you're just, you're kind of off to the side just doing your thing. Correct. Can you explain the nature of your work? I mean, what do you do? What do the jobs look like usually? So you're talking about family business or my personal stuff? Family business. Okay, so family business. So we kind of have a, a good little niche market around here. Being a smaller company, it seems like around here it's either huge companies or like one-man operations who do like, you know, little driveways and stuff. But we're kind of like the two- to three-man operation that can handle like bigger projects as well. So we kind of fall into a little niche area where we can handle some pretty good-sized projects with the manpower and the equipment that we have. And as most people know, we we do a lot of pond work. We're kind of well-known around here for fixing other people's projects that they've attempted, and then they couldn't. They kind of failed about midstream thereon or made a royal mess of uh, – we stay pr- pretty busy trying to – clean up after other people that just kind of got in over their heads on projects. But like the ponds, we're just, I don't know. It seems like we'll go six months and not do one. And then like for six solid months, that's all I'm doing is, is pond work because nobody wants to really mess with that. If you don't know what you're doing, you start going out there on mats and you can lose the machine pretty quick. Not to knock on wood. I haven't lost one, but I've been, I've been a little scared a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, and you you post some pretty good pictures and videos, you know, of, of machines. They're they're in there. I mean, you get them out, but you get them in there. Yeah, it's uh, it takes years. I mean, like I said, I'm been doing it for 17 years now. So I mean, it's not something that anybody can just hop in an excavator and start going out on mats out into a lake. I mean, next thing you know, you're sitting on top of the mats and you got mud trying to come in the floorboard of the excavator, and you're 200 feet out there. It's not like you can just abandoned ship and walk the shoreline you're kind of dedicated at that point <laughs> <laughs> and the the jobs you guys get it's really just word of mouth isn't it pretty much we work for a uh pond management company that does help us with we do a lot of their like dredging jobs and stuff like that but i would say over half of our work is word of mouth just referrals from other people that we've done work for so that's kind of our logic you do a good job and they'll tell everybody else. So that's kind of what we based off is we do like hardly any advertising. We get just a little simple website, but I think if you do a good job, people are going to know who did it. Well, yeah. Apart from the advertising that you do on YouTube, the hundreds of thousands of people that watch your stuff in middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Does that many people follow my stuff? Uh, I guess so. I, I watch your videos. I'm <laughs> like, I don't know how the hell this guy does it, but there's a lot of people following along. <laughs> I would have never thought that that became would have become what it what it has. When I started YouTube, I was I think I was 
18 or 19 years old. I think that's where the 18 come from because you had to set up an email. So I'm pretty sure that's where uh, the 18 come from. <laughs> I've always um, wondered. So that's my story. I'm pretty sure that that's how it become of that. You know, back then there was a few like heavy equipment forums online and I, I'd be on those. And it was just interesting, you know, when you're 17, 18, 19 years old and you're getting into this type of work and you get to do all the cool projects, you know, it was fun to be able to share stuff like that. So I would share like pictures and stuff like that. And then I finally bought a new camera. And this is the story of how YouTube actually started. I bought my first digital camera to be able to take pictures of all the work and everything we did. And then I actually realized that you could take videos with it. I mean, this goes back to when the memory card you could put in it would be like a four gigabyte. Jesus. So you can imagine how good of a video that took. Yeah. It was like flip phone, flip phone quality here. And uh, we were on a job, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a, take a little video here. So I took a video loading the truck. It was like three or four minutes. And uh, I come home that evening. Now, keep in mind, this was a long time ago. We had dial-up internet, if you know what that is. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. You don't know what that is? That's pre-build wit? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the good old dial-up internet. I remember I, I plugged the camera in and downloaded the video to the computer there and started uploading it. And it took like three hours. And I think it finally like locked up or something like that. And I was like, well, the heck with this. So I just like gave up on it. I was like, I'm not wasting three hours to try to upload a four-minute video. And like six months later, I got back on YouTube and that video had actually uploaded and it had like three or four comments to it. I was like, well, hey, it actually worked and people, <laughs> people like watching it. <laughs> so here we are six months later. I was like, well, let me try it again. So I took some more videos and I think eventually we ended up getting DSL internet or Time Warner or something. It was a little bit better and made it a little bit easier to upload videos and like I said, I would have never thought the channel would have grew like it has, but I, like I said, I'm, just, I'm still mind blown as you can tell. I don't have. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it, just filming my day to day work. And that's all you do. There's no, like, there's no production to it really whatsoever. It's just, no. Here's what I'm I, doing. I, I carry two cameras with me, one in my pocket and the GoPro. And if I'm in the machine, I use the GoPro. If I'm walking around, I use my little handheld camera. And uh, that's pretty much what made me me. Yeah, your 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 profit margin's way higher than mine. Yeah, I think you said you ruined like more cameras in one week than I have like in my entire <laughs> YouTube career. Yeah, yeah, because you use these like these little bulletproof. I don't I, I don't even know what the hell that the brand is, but it's just like this little bulletproof camera. It, it's, it's awesome. It, yeah, I guess it's it's idiot proof. You just press the button and it records whatever it's pointing at. Exactly. I mean, when you when you set up your your good tree stump to set your camera on for a tripod, and you know, you shake the ground and it falls off six or eight feet, you can just pick it back up and start over again. You haven't really lost a whole lot. Why do you think so many people follow along? What about it do people enjoy? I think it's the variety of the projects that I get involved with. Yeah. It's just not your day to day dirt digging. Because let's face it, after about the 10th video that week of you loading the same dump truck, it, it's kind of boring. Yeah. I mean, it it does get boring. And that's, that's what I like about what we do is there's so much variety for the type of work. I mean, like this week I started off building a 1,500-foot-long driveway. I ended up at a four-acre 
mini storage, putting the parking lot on that and putting stone down. And then this afternoon, I ended up with the 250 down the middle of the pond building a boulder dissipator pad. So there's so much different variety. And, you know, we got 12 or 13 pieces of equipment, and there's just two or three of us. So, you know, I might start off on the mini. I'll be on the excavator, then the roller, the skid steer, the motor grader, the dozer. It's just, it's always something different going on. And that's kind of what keeps me from. I guess getting burnt out on it because it's easy to do. If you sit in the machine all day long, just sitting there loading trucks, you'll your eyes will cross because it gets mind numbing. Yeah. And you you just kind of narrate things too, don't you? I mean, you just sit there and just talk. Like, yep, this is what I'm doing, and this is why I'm doing it. Yeah, I pretty much I try to do like video series now. Before I used to just film the machine running. I wouldn't give like no backstory of what I'm, what I'm doing or anything. And I was like. It seems like people get more interested when I start a project, say we're going to build a five or six acre pond. I go in there and explain, you know, this is the current site layout that I have. You know, it's all trees. I'm going to come in here and clear all this out. We're going to pile all that, have some pretty cool fires, burn all that. And just explain each step as I go there. You know, one week we'll have it all cleared. We'll get it burned. And then I'll start doing the dirt work, I'll go out there with the transit, set every all the water levels so I know where to dig and pretty much start moving dirt and then your bulk dirt, your finished grading, your overflow, and also being able to have the drone, you know, it's nice to be able to fly over to start with and kind of give you the aerial of what it looks like before and then at the very end where people can can see what it transformed from. Yeah, well, so that, the drone's real fancy that, stuff. Yeah, that's like the nicest thing I've ever had. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You're, like, geez, you're blowing the budget with like, that one. Uh, boy, that's like that was like five years worth of cameras right there when I bought that drone. <laughs> and can you can you just explain like how many views do you get in a month? Hold on, I'm sitting at the computer. I can tell you. He's making a Let's Dig 18 video as we speak too. This is incredible. Yeah, I was sitting here editing one, and then you called. You're like, hey. You ready for this podcast? I'm like, well, there's no better time than now. Yeah, you've probably never listened to a podcast in your life, too, huh? I listened to the first one. I'm not going to lie. Okay, just to, so I knew what I would be getting into. Excellent! Wow. Uh, seven point seven million views in the last twenty eight days. Jesus. <laughs> seven point seven million views of you whacking trees down and grading driveways and lighting big fires. Correct. That's absurd. It blows my mind. How many people follow you? It's just, it's crazy. That's the power of social media. Yeah. This, I mean, it's, I'm telling you, it's the way things are going right now. The good old magazine and crap like that, that stuff is gone. Everybody, if you want to learn how to do something, you go on YouTube. If yeah. you don't know how to do something, you Google it or you go on YouTube. It's the way it goes. And that's, I guess, how so many people get drawn into stuff is, hey, they this person just bought a track of land or something like that. And I get this a lot because people actually do find me through YouTube and we actually do get a few projects from that. They'll find the channel, see kind of what I can do. Uh, prime example is the guy bought like 50 acres down the street and you know, he doesn't know how to do the work. I mean, a lot of people think they can go out here and rent the equipment, but if you don't have the knowledge of what it's supposed to look like or how to do it, you'll end up spending a lot more money than, than you could just hire somebody to do it. Yep. So he saw that, hey, I can go in here on a pretty much a new farm that he bought, a blank slate. I can go in here, cut his roads, clear his house lot, build his pond, and, and pretty much do everything that he wants done. 
and him being able to see that the finished product or know that, hey, this guy actually knows what he's doing because I can sit here and watch what he does, that gives everybody like a, a good peace of mind that they're not going to get shafted by a fly-by-night person that says they can do it, but then leave them with a mess. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what we try to do with, with what we do. That's why I show everybody everything because it's like, this is the product you're going to get. This is this is it. If you like it, great. Like, let's let's talk. If you don't, like, I don't know what to tell you. you. They already know what they're getting before they have ever talked to us, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's so nice when you meet with somebody and they're like, okay, this is what I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I love that because they, you pretty much already gained their respect that they know that you're going to do a good job. And, and there's nothing that means more to me when somebody says, just do it like it's your own. I'm like, well, they have faith in me. So that's all that matters. It's it's still just mind boggling how many how many people are following along and you've been doing it pretty much you do it every day like how many videos in a week do you post? I normally try to do one at least every other day. Most of the time, I try to do a, a daily video. Yeah, I do try to do a daily video, and that just kind of keeps everybody fresh with what project I'm working on. Right now, they're all mad because I'm split between like seven or eight different projects, and uh, they get confused on what I'm doing. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'll take a video, I'll be in the 250 dredging out a pond, and then the next day I'll be on the motor grader grading a driver. They're like, what happened to the pond you were digging? I'm like, well, it's Tuesday. I had to go do a different job to keep everybody happy. <laughs> could you, going on that, could you, like, what do the comments look like? Because you get, and, and every time I go in your videos, you have, like, thousands of comments on there. It's just, it's still just mind-boggling. What, what are the comments it, like? Because we've talked about that before. <laughs> It's funny. Oh, there's there's all sorts of comments, good, bad, and ugly, but uh, not too bad. And most, most everybody are pretty are pretty cool on there. I'll be 100 percent honest. I read the comments for like the first 24 to 48 hours on the newest video, but other than that, I can't keep track of them. I yeah. just don't have enough not enough hours in the day to. And that's what I hate because I, I got so much going on. There's a lot of people that do ask questions that I would like to answer, but I just don't have the time to sit and spend four hours a night answering questions. Yep. So I do read pretty much all the comments and within like the next day or two video, if it's a, you know, a question that was asked like 50 times, I'll answer it in that video. Oh, gotcha. Like a mass reply is to answer that question. So I do try to, you know, interact with everybody, but as far as being able to talk one-on-one with everybody, no, it's just, there's not enough hours in the day. Unfortunately, and they they're pretty loyal, but they don't like change, do they? They do not like change. They come <laughs> here to watch dirt being moved. Like <laughs> I get a lot of opportunities to do some pretty cool stuff, and I got a couple of friends that are loggers, and I went and helped out a friend of mine. He had a Volvo Excavator with a cutter head on it, and I ran the skidder for him. and And I was like, man, this was fun. I got to run something I've never used before, and I took some videos of it. And I got like the most hateful comments. They're like, if we wanted to watch logging, we'd go to a logging channel and watch that. I'm like, <laughs> really now? It's, it's just funny. If you and don't are, like it, you can just stay quiet. Yeah, and they're, they're grown men too. That's the funny thing about it. They are. Well, they're grown children sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that too. What's, what's the, you spend a lot of time doing this. What's the motivation to still do it? I mean, after so many years of posting videos, what's why I keep doing it? Because I'm sure it's kind of exhausting at times. 
It is very exhausting. I'm like, why? But just the opportunities that it has opened up, just being the more views you get, the more people see you, the the more opportunities you get. I mean, just yeah. like I never had anything going on with Volvo, but just since we started with our first Volvo excavator, like that, our first one was at 210 and bought that in 2004. So we've had a Volvo for 16 years now. And pretty much the reason we went with Volvo, it was the best deal. It was a used machine with like $300 on it. And it come with like the best deal of anything we had. So we got that. And as soon as I got on that machine, I was like, this is like the nicest thing I've ever been on. And ever since then, we were sold on them. I think they make one of the best machines in that size. I still, I'm not going to lie, I still like the Yamaha for the Mini. But for like the full size machines like that, I don't think you can get another machine better than that. What about the Volvo? And I know you're you're famous for your Volvos. And what's the bigger one? You have the 250. Yeah, we have a 160, a 220, and a 250. And we're getting a well. I don't want to spill it. Well, we'll see about then. I'll have a new 160 then the next week. Hey, there we go. What, what, I mean, what, what about the Volvos? Cause you've run everything and I know you'll rent, you know, a cat here, there or whatever you, you've run everything. What about, what about them is different? I just like, it just seems like they're so much faster than anything else. Mm. Uh, they're so fast. They're fuel efficient, just smooth. I've had phenomenal luck with them as far as like breakdowns. I don't have anything wrong. I mean, Yes, you can have, you know, you're going to have your wear and tear items that, that are going to go. But as far as just a major catastrophe, we've never really had anything that's, you know, been life changing that has broke down. As far as like equipment, of course, everything's going to break. Anything could break, brand new, used, whatever. Yep. But for all the years we've had it, they've been a good, reliable machine. So that's why we've we've had so many. When did Volvo corporate reach out to you and, and said, Hey, you know, could you help us with advertising? Cause you're, I mean, arguably you're one of their best advertisers, you and you and the freaking gold rush guys, I'd say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And- I was at a show in Louisville, Kentucky. I think it was the ICUE equipment show and Volvo had a booth, a booth set up up there. And, uh, we just got to talking. And I was telling them what I did and everything. I've never been one to like, you know, brag about everything. I'm just, a, I just enjoy what I do. I don't go around like, hey, do you know who I am? It, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, if it up and stopped, it is what it is. It doesn't, I just do it for the fun of it. Yep. But uh, we, we got to talking and they, you know, a couple of weeks later, one of the guys kind of responded back and just say, hey, that's kind of pretty cool what you got. And uh, a friend of mine was with me when we were up there. And at that point in time, they still had their customer center here in Asheville, which is only probably four or five hours away from me. And we were just trying to look for a, a free trip to come up there and, and play around on some new equipment. And uh, But time never worked out, and they ended up moving up to Pennsylvania. And I've done a few things with them, just kind of go up there and – they bring me up there for the day and get to, if they get a, a new machine, kind of try that out and kind of give them feedback on that. But last year, probably one of the coolest things that has ever happened was the excavators are made in Korea. And last year I had the opportunity to go over there with one of their product guys for a week and 
do some testing on some of their prototype machines and give feedback on them. So that was what I thought was, that was a pretty cool opportunity, I guess. Yeah, I forgot about that. I was pretty much the only customer from the U.S. to go over there and run some of the new prototype stuff and give feedback on it on what I like and don't like. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Did you even make a make a video while you out there, or was just running prototypes? Just, uh, I was able to take some videos. Obviously, if it's all prototype stuff, they're kind of that's kind of highly frowned upon. Yeah, um, showing anything. But I was the first person from the U.S. to run the the new 950 they have. Man, yeah, there's a lot of people jealous of you there because I know a lot of people <laughs> want to get their hands on that machine. I was a little jealous of myself there for a minute. Yeah, yeah, she. It, it's a good looking machine. <laughs> And that's, it's, it's kind of, Volvo has it figured out because they just, whenever you do do Volvo stuff and it's sponsored, they kind of just let you do your own thing, right? Yeah. I mean, they pretty much, they tell me, they want me to be me, you know, come up there and do what I feel is right. And that's kind of what I told everybody. I was like, I don't want to be bought by anybody. I want the opportunities. Hey, if you have this nice, cool machine, I like to come out here, try it out, get feedback on it. But I'm not going to come out here, and I told them, like, if it's a piece of junk, I'm not going to come out here and, and talk about how good it is. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not how it's going to work. You know, that's just kind of the logic I have. I'm not going to go out here and, and say how nice something is when really I don't like it. It's just, it's wrong in my eyes. And I know there's a lot of other people that do it. If you give them something for free, they'll be like, oh, this is the best thing in the world, it's the best thing in the world. No, it don't work that way. Yeah. If uh, it works great, I'll tell you all about it. But if I don't like it, either I don't do the video or I'll tell you it's a piece of junk. It's just how it's going to be. <laughs> it's the best kind of marketing. I mean, a lot, some of the other manufacturers, they don't really understand that whole concept, but it's cool that Volvo's just let you do your own thing. And then, and yeah. then when you say, yeah, it's a kick ass machine, I'm like, I, be- I believe it. I know Chris isn't one to go, you know, talk shit, you know, you know bullshit anybody, or he, he, he's just going to say it how it is. Yep, and that's that's the way I wanted to be. Man, well, why did you start doing work on the side? Because I know that's that's a big change, and that was, I mean, you you bought the Hitachi not too long ago. It's it's been a little bit now, but you you haven't had it for too long. No, I've had it actually for a year last month, Damn. or the end of the or end of last month. It was right at a year. It's been that long. Uh, pretty much how that started is I've always got to have something going on. I get bored if I don't have something to do. Yeah. So probably about four or five years ago, I bought my first excavator. It was that old Link Belt 3800. Bought the farm out here, and work was so busy, it was just impractical to be able to bring one of the company machines home. And, you know, I was rushed to work on the weekend, try to clear stuff. I was like, I just want my own darn machine. If I want to come home and mess around with the hour outside, I'll do it. I don't want to be rushed to sit here and do all my projects. So I found the biggest piece of crap equipment you could find on uh, Craigslist, and I bought it. Nice. And uh, I went down there and looked at it. I bought a, it was a 63,000-pound excavator, 60,000 pounds. And uh, I got my $11,000 out of it, I can tell you that. (laughs) Because that's about all it was worth (laughs) on a good day. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, when I got in it, only one drive motor worked, oh, and uh, oh, she was a jewel. It was like 
you know, when stuff retires and goes to the farm, it's pretty well ragged out. Well, this had been like to the farm and then worked at the salvage yard. Mm. So she was, uh, she was a royal jewel. But I bought that whole thing, managed to get it on the low boy with one track working. It only fell off twice. I got it unloaded, drove it like 100 feet and the track fell off. And pretty much that's where I just kind of dog walked it up here to the house and just started working on it. And uh, I got that, and I fixed it up and got everything working on it. And I'll never forget, I took off down the fence line. I cleared for about 15, 20 minutes. I was like, this thing is a royal hunk of junk. Why did I even buy this? And uh, I put it on Craigslist, and I sold it the next day for 26000 No kidding. <laughs> and what? then about, about a week later, I found that Link Belt 2800. And I bought that and went through the same ordeal of fixing all the previous owner stuff out of it. And I finally got it where it was so nice. I kept it for like two years and I did all my projects on the farm. And then while I had it, you know, once people start knowing you have equipment, they're like, hey, you reckon you can come do this this job for me, this job uh, for me? Yeah. So that's kind of where that became. I was like, hey, I can make a little side money here with my own machine here. And, you know, friends, I don't care if you work on the weekend, so I'll come over here and clear you a house lot or something on the weekend or build you a pond. So after I did that, I was like, mm, that's a pretty good little way to make some extra money here on the side. And uh, so I did that for a couple of years. And when it was time to build the house, I there wasn't a whole lot going on. And I ended up selling that machine and that was the down payment for the house. And then I went like another year or something. I'm like, I think I need me another machine. <laughs> Now I'm kind of regretting that. I had people call me, and they want more projects done. I'm like, yeah, if only I had a machine. I'm like, yeah, that just that just cost me about five grand by not having one, and something I could have knocked out real quick. So after about, it was probably a year, year and a half. It might have been two years before I bought that Hitachi. And uh, last year I bought that. I had enough people call me, and I bought that. And pretty much in six months, I did enough work to pay for it. So I had that. And the start of this year, which, because I bought it in June of last year, we put it at the start of this year, I started getting a few more people calling me and stuff. And within like the last, probably the past two months, it really looked justifiable for me to get a newer machine to work with, you know. There's nothing like a new machine. And that's kind of what sucks. You know, Hitachi's a 2005. It's a phenomenal machine, but it's got 8,500 hours on it. When you go running, all our equipment has less than 2,000 hours on it. When you sit in like a new machine all week long, and then you go sit in your old piece of crap all weekend, you're like, yeah, this is making making for a long weekend. I mean, it's, yep. it's a good, reliable machine here, and but there's nothing like a, a nice brand new machine with a hydraulic foam and everything, so... And one of my wild hairs here, I decided to buy a, a newer machine. So that's where that came from. I went from within about two days of the wild hair thinking, hmm, I might need a new machine to, I've already contacted and found one. And uh, that machine come, I found the, the best deal. I could not justify a brand new one, so I found a 2016. I was like, no more hours, I'm going to use it. It's going to last me forever. And uh, I found that one. It just happened to be in Las Vegas. I'm like, I'm not going out to Las Vegas to look at it. It was in the Volvo certified program. So I kind of, I was able to 
run it through our local salesman and he pretty much guaranteed that, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be or I pretty much told him you can have it back. So I was a little leery about buying that, you know, sight unseen so much money from so far away, but I'll never forget. I turned in the paperwork for it on Wednesday and I was sitting there working that following Friday and I got this like random call from Ohio. I'm like, who the world is calling it? And I answered it and it was a truck driver. He's like, so where's this machine going? I'm like, uh, do what? He's like, yeah, I got a Volvo excavator and I'm heading out of Las Vegas with it. I'm like, Oh really now? <laughs> Somebody forgot to give me the memo. It was shipping. He's yeah. like, yeah, it'll probably be there about, uh, Tuesday. I'm like, Oh really? <laughs> okay. Well, let me figure out where it's going. It's a nice so, machine. Uh, what? I love it. How I mean, does, it's, it's how does the certified, you know, certified? Uh, it's nice and pretty, and it was you painted and all that. How does it compare to a new machine? So I did, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know Volvo had a certified program. I don't I know, know if I'm a horrible fanboy or what, but yeah. uh, I didn't know about it. But when I saw it online, I started looking at it, and they have their own like certified used program. And best I can figure is it's like lease returns. You know, somebody leases a machine for three years, and when the lease is up, they either buy it or they turn it back into the dealer. So from what I can figure is all these machines are, you know, late models, you know, three to four years old at the most. And what they do is they take it back in. You can tell that the dealer has serviced it throughout its life. So it gives you the peace of mind that, hey, this machine's actually been taken care of, and, and they get it, and they go back through everything and and service everything. And if anything needs to be fixed, you know, the machine I got, somebody had smashed a panel door on it, so they put a new door on it, and then they just went and repainted anything that needed painting on it. So it pretty much looks like a, a brand-new used machine. Yeah. And that was kind of what I liked because, as you can tell, I like my stuff to look nice. So instead of buying a three-year-old machine that had been rented or something, you know, everything's all smashed up and scratched up and me having to spend a month trying to get everything to look nice, it was worth it for me just to buy something that was already, you know, fixed up. Makes sense. Going on that, why why is it so important to you to keep your machine so clean? Because your machines are spotless. It's it's absurd and you're, you're in mud holes but yet you clean them all the damn time why spend the time and money to clean your machine so often well i think image is everything yeah. i mean you pull up to a job site and you've got a machine that's got half the windows knocked out and the panel doors missing people are gonna people are gonna judge you i mean people judge you by the way you're stuck you know they somebody might pull up with an old piece of crap and do the best work you've ever seen but the average person when you pull up and you got a nice piece of equipment here they're like hey this this man must be doing all right. He's going to he's gonna do a good job. Or you get a machine that looks like a farmer's run through the woods and tore everything all to pieces. You're kind of leery on like, hey, if this guy has destroyed his equipment, what's he going to do to my property? Yeah. So that's what I see in my eyes. Plus, I'm just peculiar too. So I just, I like it to look nice. There's nothing wrong with that. So the, the Volvo you got and the, the Hitachi, you're keeping the Hitachi, right? I guess. For yeah. right now, I am. Yeah. You let me run it a few months ago. It's a nice machine. I, I know. I'll sell it to you if you want to, <laughs> if you want it. Well. You, you can go in. I mean, you got some screening experience now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could open a, <laughs> a screening business over here, although there's nothing I've to already, I've, already, I've already got another screening job, so you just tell me when. Hey, maybe I'll start working weekends for you to try to pay for all my expenses. Okay, pay for all my well, here on the weekend. 
screen a little bit there and fly back for Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, well, North Carolina's driving distance now. I'm in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It's I'm, still like nine hours, though, isn't it? Uh, it's a haul. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a lot closer than Arizona is. Exactly. Yeah. A lot closer. So you just, you just kind of do odds and ends jobs on the weekend then? I mean, you work Saturday, Sunday pretty regularly, huh? Yeah, for the most part. I'm going to try to uh, start taking at least two days a month off. I need a little bit of me time. But uh, if, I, if I take any more than that, I'll get bored. So, yeah, my whole logic is to hit it hard when I'm young. And if everything goes good, when I turn about 50, I won't have to, I'll be able to choose if I want to work or not. But you don't take it easy. Like you work during the week, you work on the weekend, and then you have, I don't even know how many damn animals. Like you have your hands full. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. I mean, if I'm not working or doing a, a side project, it's like, you know, right before you called, I was on the tractor mowing grass. There's always stuff to do. Always stuff to do. Good grief. And then you're you're consumed by YouTube. Yeah, that's my evening job. So it's work all day, then go work on a little project till dark, and then uh, come home, try to get a video uploaded for tomorrow, and then try to get at least five and a half hours sleep a day. I mean, technically, that's all you need. Five and a half is the goal, huh? Yeah, five and a half, <laughs> six hours. That's, that's all the all the sleep a person needs. <laughs> What's up on the pond kind of stuff? It's I haven't really been around the pond work. Why is there so much pond work in North Carolina? What? Why? Why are there so many ponds? A lot of people ask that, and I don't have a good que- a good answer for that question. But there just are. There's a lot of farming out here. A lot of the older ponds were for irrigation purposes. You know, the farmers needed water to be able to water all the crops mm. during the summer. And ponds, they're like money pits because unless it's just a runoff pond, if there's like an actual creek or stream that feeds the pond, you know, nature is always going to do its course and take sediment down. So over the years, uh, all the hurricanes we get, flash floods, rain, it's going to start silting in over time. And if you don't go in there so often and remove that silt, your pond's pretty much just going to fill up by itself and naturally, you know, remove itself by all the sediment coming down. It's going to fill in and you'll just pretty much have a swampy area in the long term. So a lot of the farmers, they'll have us come in there, dredge them out, just be able to keep their volume for for the water, for irrigation. And a lot of the newer stuff, Every new property, commercial property or subdivision now, is required by law to have stormwater ponds, which contains all the stormwater runoff to help kind of, you know, protect the environment. Anything contaminants that runoff will go into these ponds and and be able to be filtered out and also allow trash and sediment and whatever gets washed down the streets into the storm drains. It's got a place to go before it goes into a stream or river. And they're inspected yearly, and if they fail, they've got to be brought back up to code. So that keeps us pretty busy by managing all that. You know, some jobs you might only take out like 10 yards of dirt, but then there's one lake that we do every probably six or seven years. The last time I dredged it out, we took out 12,000 yards of sand had washed in in seven years. Jeez. It's pretty crazy on how much you know work can be done just by mother nature you know just eroding everything upstream and and the problem with that is that there's so much development upstream the you know the poor little creek was only like three feet wide to start with 
But over the last 20 years, all that development's had all that. There's so much more runoff going into that creek. And now that creek's like 20 feet wide. Well, all that dirt went somewhere. Mm. So it just it gets deposited into that lake. And, you know, all these people live around this lake. They want a lake. So after, you know, six years, there's 600 foot of sediment in the head section of this lake. And all they're looking at is a swampland. So, you know, part of the HOA dues goes to allowing that to be dredged out every so often. Gotcha. Okay. This is all foreign concept to me because I'm from Arizona. We don't have lakes. We don't have ponds. We don't have rain. You have like rocks and cactuses. Yep. Yeah. Rocks and spiky things. Well, now, I mean, now I'm in Tennessee. So now we have a lot of rain, apparently. And humidity. And humidity. Yeah. There's plenty, plenty of that here, too. Well, you're used to dry air. Yeah. No. But like I, running midday in Arizona is just way more horrible than running midday here, I've found. Because it's just like you're, you feel like you're physically melting, like sweaty and like <laughs> dripping, dripping sweat and getting super dehydrated. That's one thing, but feeling like you're just getting melted by the sun is a whole other form of terrible, I feel like. Well, maybe you need to come nine hours east to here because I feel like I'm melting with the 90% humidity we have. Yeah, it's more brutal over there. I'm going to South Carolina this coming week. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll be in the 90s, so tell, tell me how it is. Oh, God. I'm so looking forward <laughs> to that. What, uh, what, what about all this do you enjoy? Like what we, we covered it a little bit, but what about what you do? Do you enjoy? I just, I really love the, like I say, the different variety of projects that I have. It just, it keeps it from getting boring. You know, I might be tearing down a house one day. There's just so much cool stuff. I love working on farms. Like we clean that one farm. I mean, where else can you hook a single white trailer behind an off-road truck and just drag it across the farm? I mean, <laughs> and you get paid to do it. Yeah. And they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just get to tear it all apart and pile it up and then pile a bunch of trees on top of it and set it on fire. Yeah, well, and that that's a whole other thing is you guys just get to make enormous fires over there. Yeah. I mean, that's what's great about living here is, you know, you live on a farm, you can pretty much do what you want to around here. Yeah. Is that uh, like, and the goal isn't to just grow, you know, to grow the business. It's really just to, you guys just do what you do, right? Correct. We're perfectly content with where we're at. Yeah. I really have no desire to get any bigger. Once you get so big and you start having to pay people to manage other people, I want no part of that. Yeah. I assume just come out there because the customer knows that, hey, I'm coming. You know, the main reason they're getting us to do the jobs is because they know that I'm going to do it. So when you show up and then you turn other people loose on it, they're like, hey, I thought you uh, uh, you were going to do the project. So I think that also gives the customer a peace of mind that, hey, I'm actually the one that's going to show up and do the work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of owner operators I know that they used to have a lot more people and now they're just in their machine every day as happy as ever. Cause now they don't have to deal with any of the headaches and all that junk. Yeah. I mean, uh, if somebody doesn't show up to work, it, it's pretty much you because if you're the one that's going to be going out there doing it, you kind of, you, you're not so reliable on somebody else. You know, you have a lot of employees, you know, they have personal stuff. They got to, you know, go to the doctor or do whatever. So, yep. um, you're not depending on one person. You know, if they don't show up, they can screw up the whole cycle of everything because if you're depending on one person to come there and drive the truck that day and they don't show up, well, 
Uh, yeah, you're kind of SOL there. Yep. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm but getting... I mean, don't get me wrong. You got to have some help though, because you know, if I'm sitting here building the pond, it does get kind of old sitting there loading the dirt, jumping out, getting in the haul truck, running over there, dumping it, coming back, loading it again. Then after about ten loads, hopping on the dozer, spreading it out. It's like musical chairs. Yep. But I mean, there's certain projects where yes, you need help. You can do it by yourself, but it's not practical. But then there's some jobs where you know all you need is just one person, and that's kind of where we're at. We still take on projects where we need some help, but then you can't hire like four or five people because what happens when you go two months and you don't have any big projects and all you have is just little driveway jobs where all you need is like the mini and the skid steer or or just the excavator and you're clearing a house lot. So you don't have that burden of trying to find work for four other people during a time when, you know, you don't really have any projects going on. You need that much help for. Yeah. You guys are, you're in a pretty good spot. As far as like the business is concerned, do you get into like just running the business and it's probably not even that complex, like you just counting the money and making sure stuff's coming in the right spot or do you not worry about any of that? That's my uncle's job. Gotcha. That's what he does. He is the most paid dump truck driver in the world. <laughs> <laughs> he drives the dump truck and does the estimating and coordinating of everything. And I do all the, uh, the operating. I do the work. He looks for the work and uh, gets the money and I do all the work. Will you eventually have to do that as well? Eventually. If I take over that. That's going to be my part, but that's kind of another little thing that I've enjoyed doing is with my little side projects is I do enjoy it. It is actually fun and it's interesting to go out there and meet the customers, see what kind of projects they got. And then, you know, when you sit down at night, you're sitting here trying to calculate everything and you're like, okay, we can make some money or if this doesn't go right, I'm going to be doing this job for free. Yep. So it's kind of scary when you're sitting there and you got it all wrote down on a piece of paper, you're figuring up your materials and your time and what you think it's going to be. And, and me, I, I want to do, you know, I've done it my whole life. I feel like, you know, if I can do a, a two day job in two days, I don't want to charge them for three days, but then you're like, well, if something goes wrong, you know, I'm going to be working for a day for free, but, it's a little nerve wracking. I mean, yes, we're all in it to make money, but you can't make money off of one person. Yeah. I feel that doing the volume, you know, making money by doing a, a higher volume of jobs is the way to do it and be price competitive with everybody else. Instead of, you know, some people they'll come in there and just take the customer to the cleaners there on a project. I mean, if I, I've had people tell me before they had a, a person, they hired a person to come out there and build them a pond it took them like five days and they charged them like 40 grand or something like that. I'm like, Damn. Jesus. I mean, you know, something that would have cost like 15, 20 grand to do. Yeah. They charged them like double to do it. And, you know, a lot of customers, they don't know any better. I mean, they don't have a clue about what's going on. So I just feel like being honest and fair is, is the best approach for everything. It'll all catch up to you at one day too. I mean, how many, how many jobs do you do, you do in a year? Would you say? Um, probably, I mean, even with the bigger jobs, I mean, before I've done like three jobs in one day, you start doing like little piddly projects, but yeah, I'd say probably 70 to 80 projects a year. Wow. So, I mean, that's, we're covering a lot of ground. It's crazy. Yeah. You, you hop around a lot. 
I mean, I got excavators that are about 100 miles apart. That's how far we're spread out right now. Jeez, but it's all, you, you don't really get into the city, do you? you? It's all pretty rural. Yes and no. I mean, right now, I'm, that dredging job's right in the middle of, of the city. Really? Surrounded by an apartment complex. I mean, a prime example is right now, I got the 220 on a job that's 120 miles from my house. The customer hired a another contractor to come out there and build like a five-acre pond, and people can see that the video series on, on YouTube as well. But he come out there and charged them... I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this work. And it looks like a bomb went off. Oh man! I mean, it is. And, and they just got so disgusted and that they fired him and they pretty much begged us. They found us and begged us to come up there and fix it. Uh, I don't want to have to work 120 miles from home, but when somebody's like begging you to come up there, you know, because somebody else is, is like really done them wrong. You kind of feel obligated to come up there and, and really try to fix the problem. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And I, I can't make it up there every day. You know, I worked a week and then it's like a month before I got time to go up there because, you know, when they call, we're, we've already got previous commitments to other jobs around here. So that's kind of what, what's nice about having so many excavators is they're understanding that, Hey, we, we're a small company. We got several machines and a lot of people that want everything done we can drop this machine off here. We'll work a week, make some good progress. But hey, it might be two or three weeks before I can come back because mm-hmm. I've got to do other stuff that I've got deadlines on. Now that's interesting too. Like, like the ponds and stuff like that. You know, when you're in the city like that, it's all it's permits and inspected and everything. So you pretty much have like a, a timeline window that you have to work within, and then after that, you start getting a fine per day and it's not fun to pay for a project you're trying to make money on. So those kind of take priority over, you know, just a little farm pond out somewhere. Gotcha. Well, uh, did we already touch what's top secret? Is that the new Volvo? Is that what's top secret? The new Volvo is part of the top secret project. So while I was at Con Expo, I stopped by the AMI attachments booth. Okay. And got to talking with them, and they knew who I was and everything. And we ended up talking like back and forth for like an hour there. I mean, just super nice guys there, and just looking over all their attachments and everything. And at that point in time, I had no idea in my mind that I was going to be buying a new excavator. I mean, mm. literally like 30 days ago, I didn't even know I was going to be buying one. <laughs> and, and here we are now. <laughs> and uh, so... When I bought that machine, I bought a plain Jane machine. I got the newest and the nicest machine I could find, and I I ended up buying it. It didn't have a thumb on it or nothing because I wanted to set that machine up exactly the way that I wanted. If I'm going to spend that much money, I want to be able to customize it the exact way that I want. So I didn't want to buy a machine with a thumb because most likely you buy a machine with a thumb, it's had a hard life anyways. Yep. because it's been doing stuff that, you know, it's not really designed to be doing, especially if somebody's not a competent operator in the seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of your thumb machines look like they've been to war, and I didn't want to go down that route, so I bought that machine with just a, a bucket on it. I got that here. Well, actually, as soon as I bought it, I'm like, oh, crap. 
I'm, I got to get some attachments because uh, I've got a lot of projects here, and uh, every single one of them involves clearing, and uh, it's it's not going to be too good. I have a brand new machine I can't use, so uh, I was I got thinking. I was like, now who who am I going to get this from? And we've always used this one particular company for the bucket and thumbs. You know, I love just a, a plain digging bucket and a nice hydraulic thumb. But at this time, you know, the pandemic going on and everything, we had already had that 160 ordered for like 45 days. And, or the bucket and thumb for that machine ordered for 45 days. And that company could still not give us a time frame on when that when that bucket would arrive. Wow. I mean, you'd call it, it was just a nightmare. I'm like, I can't go that route. I can't justify having a brand new machine here for a month and a half, and they don't even tell me when it's going to be here. So as of like right now, the bucket finally arrived at that machine like almost two and a half months after we ordered it. So I called up, got in contact with the AMI, and started talking with them and I will say that they have by far like the best communication ever. Like when I had a, a question, I would literally get like a response within like 30 minutes. Wow. So that gave me a peace of mind on that. So pretty much I called them, talked with them, kind of explained what I wanted. They offered a hydraulic thumb, but it wasn't exactly how I wanted it. I like a, a thumb that's, you know, kind of narrow, but then it flares out at the end and the tines go in between every single bucket teeth on the machine mm-hmm. because I, I like to hang that because I can use that edge that hangs out for the, the two end tines. Like when I'm clearing, if I got a, I'm in a tight corner or something like that and I've got to pull the tree towards me, well, I can use that to kind of push it away. But when it starts falling, if not, it's going to, you know, fall back on me. So I needed that set up. A lot of people didn't understand that when I was trying to find a thumb. And they didn't offer that, but they took the time to sit down with me, and I talked with their engineer himself. We actually designed a thumb that would fit my machine the way I wanted it to. Wow. So I went ahead and just went all out, and I bought a a 48-inch digging bucket. I went into the 21st century, and I bought a quick coupler. Whoa. I know. I know. I've never had one on a big machine. I was like... People are just going to be like mind blown on that. Yeah. I was like, if I'm going to go all out, I'm going to go all out. And we ended up customizing a progressive link thumb for the machine. So I'll have three new attachments coming for that. And pretty much after talking with them and telling them about everything I did, uh, I got a random call saying this was probably about two weeks after we designed that thumb. And it was one of the marketing guys, and, and he was talking to me. He's like, you know what? I, I think what you're doing is pretty cool, and, and since you designed that thumb, how would you feel about having your logo put on that? Damn. And we would call that the LD18 hydraulic thumb. No And pretty kidding. much have, I would have my own brand of hydraulic thumb design. Man, well, if, you know, if you hadn't made it before, You've definitely made it now. If you I have mean, your own thumb, are you kidding me? With my own logo on it now. Jeez. How cool is that? Do they charge extra? No, they didn't. They said they'd actually pay me some for it. <laughs> oh, good. I was grief. like, this deal's getting 
better and better. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, Anything that keeps me from having to spend more money, that sounds great in my eyes. <laughs> Man. And so, and you get it pretty soon? I should. It'll, yeah, it'll should ship next week. So I should have everything by the end of the month. Jeez. Installed. Wow. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Okay. All but right. I'll, I'll never forget my friend Charlie came up when they when they delivered that machine, and he's like, "That sure is a nice machine." And I hopped out of it, and I'm like, "I am never going to financially recover from this." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll have that. You'll have that thing. Yeah, it's going to pay for itself pretty damn quick. I can imagine. It will, but when I decided on it, I was like, "Damn, I, I wasn't expecting to go a hundred and some thousand dollars in debt overnight." But here we are. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm about to sign some deals that are gonna do the same thing for me. But you got to spend money to make money, as they say. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just money. They make more and more of it every day. They do. Yeah, well, especially now, the government's just printing left and right. You exactly. Got to keep up. So, I mean, I'm still, I figure, you know, working seven days a week, I stand a better chance of digging up that treasure chest one day. Uh, it's out there somewhere. It's just got to follow that axe. It's out there somewhere. Yeah. I only dug up one, but it was empty when I opened it. Oh, damn it. Well, you still, <laughs> you still got some years ahead of you. Yeah. Maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll get lucky. Find that money tree when I push it over. <laughs> hey, I mean, you're in the South. It's not the, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Hey, people bury a lot of stuff around here. You go around some, I've dug up some cool stuff on some old farms before. I'm just like, interesting. Yeah. No, I'm sure there's stuff out there. <laughs> well, we're, um, that was a quick hour, man. I appreciate it. Oh, it has been an hour. An yeah. hour and five minutes. Wow. Yeah. No, I, time flies. Time flies. And uh, if people want to follow you and see your videos, I'm sure everyone already does, but it's Let's Dig 18 YouTube. And Instagram. Do you do anything on Facebook too? Uh, I do have a Facebook, but I, I'm really slacking about posting anything on that. Yeah, it's um, just not as exciting. It took me like five, like three or four years to get Instagram. So once I discovered that, I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Hey, I think you like Instagram though. I think you have some fun on there. I do like Instagram. Yeah. I'm not much about change, but once I get set on something, I'm like, that's all right. I like it now. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> It's easy to do. I can take a picture and have it on Instagram within like 30 seconds. Exactly. And then you can like it. I mean, you you usually like all my pictures within about 10 minutes, so you must be a pretty avid follower. Oh, I'm a big Let's Dig 18 fan. Yeah. Yeah, I figured you probably get a notification at this point. Yeah, and I had your sticker on my backpack for for months after Con Expo. Yeah. All right, Chris. How much are you for that? <laughs> all that mobile advertising. I mean, you went like all the way across the country with that. Yeah, no, and my backpack is is seen by many people. It is. I mean, it's literally as big as you are. Yeah. Well, and I didn't realize how ridiculous I look wearing this backpack. I shit you not. Uh, the first time I ridiculous recognized how ridiculous it looks is when all the people were at Con Expo were sending me pictures when they spotted me because I was wearing this giant. It looks like a turtle shell on the on my back. Yeah, look like you're. Like you were going like camping somewhere, yeah. <laughs> and you like your whole week's supplies in there. I'm like, that's a big backpack, Aaron. <laughs> now, now I'm self conscious about it because before I didn't know how ridiculous it looked, but now it's like, God, I look like an idiot walking through this airport right now. So let me guess, you got a fanny pack now? Oh wow, I was actually thinking of buying one the other day. They're very practical. <laughs> I mean, they are. You can put like all your stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was this is fun. Thanks for thanks for sitting down with me. I appreciate it. 
It's it, we finally yeah, got you. Did. I thought it was never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, eventually, you know, just everything. The stars have to line up just right, and I'll, I'll get an hour of free time here. Yeah. Well, you can you can send me your invoice. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was good talking to you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right. Have a good one.